podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. All right, grab your Bibles this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. And for those of you who um, are not familiar with uh, the Pentecostal tradition, or if you're not familiar with why the day of Pentecost means so much to Pentecostal charismatic, but over that, it's going to be amazing. A bit of understanding into that today. Uh, don't be freaked out over that. It's going to be amazing and it's going to be beautiful. This is an amazing, beautiful day and gift to the house and to the church of of God at large. So let's pray and we'll jump into Acts chapter two. Father, thank you so much for the work of God here in this place. And thank you, Father, for what you are doing in the earth right now, right now, Lord, today, even in our pre-service prayer time, there was a prophetic word that came out of our prayer and that today is somebody's today. That this day is somebody's day, Lord, that somebody this day is coming in and they've needed a breakthrough. They've needed an answer to prayer. They've needed a touch from God. They've needed a refilling or a rebaptism. They've needed deliverance in some way. They've, they've needed God to you, for you to show up. And the, the prayer that went forward was that today is that day for someone. And we agree that, that someone is receiving something special from you today. Father, we sense the moving and the stirring of your spirit. We sense, oh God, that you are at work in a new way. And we say yes to that today. God, we ask that you would give this church grace to respond, to respond. And all of the many invitations that you are sending out to us, God, we're asking that you would give us grace to say yes, to make the appropriate adjustments and the changes Regardless of how inconvenient they may be, we're asking that you would grace us for those changes, that we may be faithful to your call for ministry impact. And we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The book of Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I'm gonna pause right here for a minute just to give a little bit of background and then I'll share a little bit of what has happened after these verses in the book of Acts. But we've been in Acts here for several weeks. The day of Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection. And as we've known throughout the past several weeks, that when Jesus rose again from the dead, it absolutely turned the entire world on, upside on its head. It changed everything. It changed our hope. It changed the trajectory of the human race. It changed the orientation of our heart, of what matters. It changed the realm of possibility. The resurrection changed everything. And when that took place, we've been looking at this the past several weeks, what is the implication of living in the resurrection? What does it mean to live the resurrection life, this new life in Christ, this new mission of God that we're on and that we belong to? 
Well, here in Acts chapter two, verse one, when it says that all of them were together in one place, this is speaking specifically of the followers of Jesus and of the thousands that Jesus taught and of the hundreds that said, we're gonna follow you closely and intensely. We find out that here there were just about 120 and we can look back throughout the gospels and we can see that there were moments that his ministry was touching upwards of five and, and probably seven and eight or 10,000 when we include women and children into those numbers. So the impact of Jesus's ministry touched thousands, but those that were faithful and devoted and committed, those that said, okay, after your life and your ministry, after your death and your resurrection, and 50 days after this, I'm still, I'm still in this thing. Are you guys with me this morning? I'm still in this thing. I'm in this thing because you said, wait in Jerusalem, because there's a gift that I've got to give you that is paramount, that is absolutely essential to the furtherance of the mission. I could say it like this. I could say it like this, that everything that Jesus lived and died and was resurrected for hinged upon the obedience of these followers and the gift that was gonna be poured out 50 days later. Everything was hinging on this moment because it was here on this day that traditionally, historically, biblically, theologically, spiritually, we point to this day and we say that this was the day that the church was birthed. So why does Pentecost matter? Pentecost matters because everything that Jesus lived and died and was resurrected for hinged upon the birth of an entity that did not exist prior to this day. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? Let me put it another way. That everything that Jesus came for, yes, his death and his resurrection changed the course of humanity, but there was a medium through which this message was to get to the earth. And we talked about this several weeks ago. We talked about Romans chapter 10. We talked about how can a person be saved unless they hear the preaching of the gospel? How can someone preach unless they're sent? Everything was hinging on a band of people that would take the reality of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus to the world. Who was that people? It was his church. It was his church. It was a people that did not exist prior to this moment. So I don't want to get too much into ecclesiology here. All right, go back and listen to the podcast from the last four months of 2018. They were really, really good. Okay. But essentially, essentially, Before Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost, all of those 120 people that were gathered in that that room, those were 120 individuals. They were individuals. They were individuals that followed Jesus. They were doing their best to be obedient to Jesus. They were faithful. They said, we're gonna continue to meet because the master told us to meet. But on that day, when that fire came down, those 120 individuals became one church. And they became the first church. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle. I've got, I've got to like really resist the temptation to get on this soapbox because now in this culture and in this day and 21st century America and American Western individualism and, and, so, and, and technology, like we kind of down the church. But listen, Acts chapter two, verse one says, this is God's dream. 
that God went to very, very explicit lengths to put something into the earth and to birth it in the fire of the Holy Spirit. One moment it didn't exist, the next moment it did. And it happened out of faithfulness and obedience to the instructions of Jesus. And the church is the gateway through which the kingdom of God comes to the world. Listen, I love the church. Do we have our mistakes and our faults and our flaws? Absolutely we do. Are we a band of people that have been saved by the immaculate grace of God? Absolutely we are, which makes us a sign and a wonder and a testimony of who God is to the world. But I wanna hone in on a couple of phrases here. Acts chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all together. And the thing I wanna mention here to you guys is this is not, this is not some kind of happenstance this is not some kind of arbitrary, they were all, t- they didn't just happen to be together in one place. We're speaking of an intentionality here. We're speaking of a purposeful gathering with their hearts that were oriented to encounter God out of faithfulness and obedience to him. Are you, are you seeing that? They were all together in one place. Let's just go back to chapter one here, just so that we can see some of these things in their proper context. Look at verse seven, Acts chapter one, verse seven. And, and actually, let's, let's jump to four just to get a little bit more of the context, and then we'll read four through, uh, through eight. Verse four, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, now this is after he's been resurrected from the dead, okay? So they're sitting with Jesus in his fully resurrected state, He's already gone back up. He's gone down into the depths of hell. He's gone all the way back up to heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father. Things are now being established that were not being established prior. And now he comes back down and he's spending 40 days post-resurrection to teach them about the kingdom. Things that they didn't have the capacity to understand prior. Now he's imparting these things, very, very important things. Verse four, he says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. The Holy Spirit is a gift. I know that many of us may not have heard a lot of messages on the Holy Spirit. I know that there's a lot of false doctrines that are out there. And honestly, I'm going to just say it. They're doctrines of devils. I mean, any doctrine that's out there that essentially says that the Holy Spirit is not the third person of the Godhead or that the, that, that the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, kind of went away with the acts of the apostles. Guys, that, those are doctrines of devils. Those are demonic doctrines that have been sent to deceive the church of the living God because without an understanding of the role in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the church is powerless. And if I'm your enemy, the the thing that I want to do is I want to take your weapons away from you. If I'm your enemy, I want to render you powerless. He's brilliant, but he's not a winner. He doesn't win. He's brilliant, but he's a liar. He's a brilliant liar. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised which you have heard me speak about. If I had time, we would go to when Jesus was being baptized and he says that today you baptize with water, but I will baptize you with you with the fire and the spirit. And this is that. So when Jesus started this entire deal in his ministry, Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four, what we find is Jesus prophesying to this day. There is a day that's coming 
when you will be baptized, you will be filled, you will be overflowing, you will be endowed and endued with a fire that convicts of sin, with a fire that burns away a love for the world and with a power that enables you to fulfill the mission that I came to serve into the earth. Verse five, for John baptized with water in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse six, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, yeah, 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 yeah. Are, are, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? And he's kind of like, oh gosh, I just told you, just wait in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem. You're gonna get a gift. It's an awesome gift. It's a big, fat, powerful gift. When are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? It's not about Israel. So he says, verse seven, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will, he just takes it back. He takes it back. Listen, guys, remember, I told you, wait for the gift in Jerusalem because, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, let me just put a little sidebar here real quick because at the end of John, the book of John, you can read this on your own, but the last chapter of John, beginning in chapter 20, 20 into 21, but in John chapter 20, Jesus shows up when we talked about the appearances of Jesus, we were looking at Luke's account the first three weeks after Easter Sunday. But in John's account, Jesus shows up. And when he shows up to his disciples, when they're cowering and cringing in that room all by themselves, he shows up and, he's, and he breathes on them. And what does he say? He said, what does he say? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. So if, if, if my Bible understanding is correct, that these guys, most of them had received the Holy Spirit in the book of John chapter 20 before this moment, because then Jesus says, hey, listen, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, but the Holy Spirit's already in you because I breathed on you and I said, receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. There is a, there is a ministry dynamic there is a ministry empowerment, and that's what I want to talk about in the next few minutes that we have together. Let's go here back to Acts chapter two. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, verse two, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can I just invite you into Pastor Jade's prayer closet here for a minute? Let me just invite you in and give you a little quick snapshot and I'm gonna close the prayer doors again because Jesus told me to do that. He just said, hey, listen, when you're praying, don't let everybody know you're praying, go into your prayer closet. So I'm gonna invite you into my prayer closet. I'm gonna close the doors because here's what I've been praying for you. I've been praying literally that every single person in this house, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, look at it again. It says, filled the whole house. And you know what? I've been praying for Antioch and I realized that if we're doing our job and new people are coming in on a weekly basis, that this prayer is something I'll be praying until Jesus returns, and I'm happy with that. But I have been praying that this entire house would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been praying that this entire house, from babies to elderly, that this entire house, every race, every ethnicity, every gender, every class, educated, non-educated, it doesn't matter. I am praying. Whatever your denominational background is, I want you to know that there's some crazy man praying on his own for you on a daily basis, praying that you would encounter the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you would be filled. 
that you'll be, and I, listen, don't confuse that. Don't confuse that with, is he trying to say that we have to pray in tongues? No, I'm not. I am just praying that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I am praying that you would encounter the third person of the Trinity in a new, fresh, living, dynamic, powerful, intimate way that you would hear his voice, that you would know his movement, that you would be able to discern what God is doing in the earth, that you would care about grieving the Holy Spirit, that you would partner with the ministry and the activity of the Spirit in a new way in your life. So listen, every one of you has a target on your back. You have a target. I was with Christy a few weeks ago, man. We were, we were, it was actually last weekend. We were having a little date weekend and, and I was telling her about these things that God was stirring up inside of me and in terms of the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit, how like Christy said today, it's like God is just, just renewing this thing. And I told her, I said, you know what? I know that there are a lot of, there are a lot of weaknesses. There have lot of been a lot of failures. There have been a lot of mistakes in certain elements of the charismatic stream. But I also know that we cannot do what we've been called to do without it. We just can't. We can't. And so I'm not trying to undo everything that we have labored so diligently for the past three years. I'm simply saying now we've got to pull this back together again and we've got to see the evangelical, the liturgical, historical, sacramental and the charismatic Pentecostal function together in absolute submission and harmony one with another to be the mature church that God has called us to be in the earth. We have got to see people healed from their sicknesses. We have got to see prophetic words that call people out exactly where they are, that encourage them when they're down, that convict them when they're living in bondage to sin. We have got to see faith that will raise the dead and move mountains. We have got to see uh, the mysteries of prayer languages being interpreted so that people can hear a now word from God. We, we've got to have these things in this day and in this hour. It is crucial. It is crucial, you guys. Acts chapter two, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled, the, say, filled the whole house. Will you pray that with me? Will you just say, I'm gonna pray that with my pastor. I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit would fill the whole house. I want that phrase just to get in your belly. I want you in your prayer time, just say, God, fill the whole house. Fill the whole house. Fill the whole house. Fill the whole house. Every single one of us, God, I'm praying for a fresh and a daily and a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. I've got 10 minutes and I want to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, this dynamic here, go to Luke chapter three with me. Luke chapter three. And I'm literally going to skate on the surface of this. Luke chapter three, this is where Jesus is being baptized in verse 21. Luke chapter three, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, I'm, I'm, I'm zooming backwards about three years from where we're at in Acts chapter two. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Pause, what does that mean? Jesus was fulfilling a work and a, and a, a commandment that God had given to him. And as God and man, Jesus was submitting to an earthly structure. He was submitting to a spiritual authority that was resting on another man. Guys, submission one to another and even to godly ordained authority is a part of the economy of the kingdom. John was a flawed man. We know this. 
We know that there was a time in John's ministry when he entered into doubt and unbelief. Jesus, are you the one or should we believe for another? It doesn't matter that John was a flawed man. God still commanded Jesus, the son of God, to submit to the authority that was operating prophetically through John at that time. Do you see that? And as a result of Jesus obeying God and submitting to the spiritual authority that was in the earth at that hour, it says, as, um, where am I at? As he was praying, heaven was open, verse 22, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus was about 30 years old. Now skip over here to chapter four, Luke chapter four. So we see in Luke chapter three that Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes and rests on Jesus. I like the way that John's, version says that the Holy Spirit came and he remained. He remained. And when you became a follower of Christ, when you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the son of God. Father, would you allow Jesus to come and inhabit my heart? And would you save me? Do you know what happened? You received the Holy Spirit at that moment. There was a definitive moment when you became a believer and the thing that authorized or established or, or initiated or secured or validated that was the fact that God sent his spirit into your spirit and you received, whether you knew it or not, you received the Holy Spirit at that moment. It says that in Ephesians chapter one, it says that you received a deposit how many of you guys have ever put down a deposit for an apartment or a house and you gave either an earnest money deposit or you put down deposit? That's what the Holy Spirit is God's deposit into your life. Guys, that's exciting. Come on. I know it's dreary outside, but you don't have to be influenced by your external environment, barometric pressure. Come on now. You receive the Holy Spirit. God himself is inhabiting the temple of your life. So it says right here that Jesus, the Holy Spirit came, inhabited Jesus, rested, remained on him. Look at chapter four of Luke. Jesus now, look at this progression, full of the Holy Spirit. Like I've got one assignment today. I know I've hit a bunch of others, but the one assignment I have today is I am calling Antioch to be a people that that, that is full. Let that, just, let that just rest here for a second. I am calling, I feel like God is calling this house to be a people that is full. Full of God's spirit. Full of the love of God. Who was that that prayed? I think that was Emily praying, God, fill us with the love of God. Scripture says in Romans 5, 5, that the spirit has been poured out into our spirit and the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Let's be a people full of the love of God, full of the joy of God, the joy unspeakable and full of glory, right? The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. The joy of God, which no matter what situation or circumstance that goes through, what is in the inside is greater than what is on the outside. Full of his peace, full of his wisdom, full of his grace, full of his faith, full of God, full of his spirit. So Jesus now full of the spirit is led by the spirit. So he submits himself to the spiritual authority of that hour in faithfulness and obedience to God. 
He emerges from that full of the Spirit, and in the fullness of the Spirit, he is now able to discern the voice of the Spirit. He is led by the Spirit into the desert to fast for 40 days. Now look what happens after he is obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's in verse 12 of Luke chapter 4. I keep saying Acts because I'm just breathing Acts right now. But look at Luke chapter 4, verse 12. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is one of the final um, temptations that Jesus faces. When the devil finished this tempting, he left him, verse 14, and Jesus returned to Galilee, how? In the power of the Spirit. Receive the Spirit, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit in obedience to God and emerge out of that time in the power of the Spirit. Now, I'm not one to try to like, you know, put a scientific formula on anything, but I do think that these are marker points in the Christian life. I think that from the moment we receive Christ, we receive the Spirit. And I think then that we learn how to live a life that is dying to ourselves, saying yes to God. And I believe that we learn how to live full of the Spirit. And I believe our capacity for that fullness grows. I mean, just think biologically. Biologically, the capacity of a child to learn and understand language, concepts, communication, social interactions, our capacity should always be increasing. In the spirit, your capacity, the capacity of your ability to love should be increasing throughout the rest of your life. Are you hearing me this morning? The capacity of your faith to believe God for things that are beyond you should be increasing. I love it. The the psalmist said it like this. I was young and now I was old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And then he says this in another psalm. He says, let it be said of me that when I am old that I am still serving God in the latter years of my life. Guys, Guys, listen, there's no end to this. There's no end to this. I mean, when you start hitting your 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and well into your hundreds, your capacity for the things of God, your understanding into the scripture, your ability to comprehend the mysteries of God, your zeal for the things of God, your ability to discern that's God and that's not, your wisdom into the situations of the day, all of that should be increasing. All of it should be increasing. Guys, listen, never go stagnant. Don't grow stagnant. Let your capacity continue to increase. And this doesn't mean that there won't be seasons. Guys, listen, there will be seasons. There will be seasons. There will be seasons where we're disappointed, where we're frustrated, where we're burned out, where we're broken down, where we're beat up, where we're offended. And in those seasons, like Christy said, sometimes we need to pull away. So don't let any condemnation come on you here. I'm telling you that the overarching trajectory of your life And that should give you hope because if you are in a season where you're pulling away to get healed, that's not your final resting spot. You are not going to stay there. I don't know how long it's going to take. And honestly, frankly, it doesn't matter how long it takes because the overarching trajectory of your life is for your capacity to be filled with the things of God. Your tent pegs will be extended and expanded for the rest of your life. Amen. And guys, listen, this is an eternal work. It's an eternal work. So Jesus receives, he's full, he's led, he comes out full of the power. What does Acts chapter one, verse eight says? You will receive power. You will receive power. All right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, sir, I'm gonna save the other eight points of my message <laughs> for next week for Father's Day. And here's why. Because when we start getting into, come on up, Jonathan, thank you so much. When we start getting into like the meat of this word, 
we start talking about normal everyday saints like you and like me, like Philip and like Stephen and like Peter. And here's what it says over and over in the book of Acts. We see that Stephen is full of faith and the spirit. We see that another man is full of power and the spirit, full of the spirit and wisdom. What does, the, what, what does, what does being full of the spirit help us to do? We'll find out next week. We'll find out next week. But listen, you don't have to wait till next week to say, God, I want everything that you have for me. Guys, even in a state of spiritual lethargy, even in a state of spiritual, just, just kind of malaise, you can, all, you can always say, I've prayed this in my life all the time. I've said, God, right now, I don't want to. I don't want to press in. I don't want to pray more. I don't want to read more. I don't want to dig more. But God, if you will help me, I will, I will tell you this. I've always been at this place where I would say, God, I don't want to right now but I want to want to. You see that? I don't want to, but I want to want to. There's, in, in the core of my being, in the core of my being, I really do want to. God, would you help me? Would you give me a holy desire? Will you give me, will you grow that desire inside of me to be full of the spirit, to be full of wisdom, to be full of God, I want to be so full of man that when that when I when I stub my toe a cursor doesn't come out. I want to be so full that when somebody cuts me off that I'm not cursing them. I'm not responding in anger. I want to be so full that when you bump into me I'm I'm just like like prophetic words are spilling out of me. I want that. I'm just full. Declarations and decrees and prophecies and words of encouragement and grace and peace and love and life and joy. I mean, I just want that to spill out of me, guys. And we can have that. We can have that. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Antioch, I want to pray a blessing over you. I'd like to invite the ministers of our table to come forward this morning. I'm just here to announce. I'm going to just announce this all summer long. I felt last Sunday after service, the Lord said, son, will you sow into September? Will you sow into September? And I'm just announcing that over the church, man. I know summers can be a time where we just like check out, but I don't think Antioch's called to check out this summer. Maybe last summer. Maybe last summer was okay. You can check out last summer. Two years ago, definitely. I needed to check out two years ago. It's not a time to check out God saying, hey, will you sow into September? What's in September? I don't know. I have no idea. But here's what I do know. Anytime God has asked me to sow into something, it has never, ever come back in a way that has disappointed. Would you sow into this? Would you sow more prayer this summer? Would you sow your faith into September? Will you sow your finances? Will you sow your ministry gifts? Will you sow your engagement? Will you show up early? Don't just come on time. Will you show up early, son? I feel God is just calling us again in a fresh way. Sow, believe, expect. Would you just throw your hands up in the air this morning if you're comfortable with that? God, I'm praying today for a holy anticipation to be reawakened. I pray into everything that Christy prayed this morning, God, with a holy anticipation and a holy expectation. And God, I'm asking today that you would fill us. And if you could just have faith for that this morning, would you just in your own words, would you ask God to fill you again? Father, fill us today. Fill us, fill us with a hunger and say, say it with your own lips. What is it that you want God to fill you with? Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with the mind of Christ. 
Fill me, God, with the wisdom of God. Fill me with a, a fire, God. Fill me with a passion. Fill me with holiness. Fill me with righteousness, God. Fill me with hunger. Fill me with the sensitivity to sin. Fill me with a love for my neighbor. Fill me with the Holy Ghost passion and a first love for you, God. Fill me, fill me, fill me, God. Every day of my life, I'm asking that you would fill me. I'm asking God that Antioch would be continually filled, continually filled. When we leak out God, that we would just drive into you and that you would fill us afresh and anew. In the name of Jesus, as we come to the table of God today, I wanna to invite all of you to come. All of you are welcome to receive grace and to encounter God in the body and the blood of Jesus. Very quickly, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his friends and he took bread and he broke this bread. And when he broke that bread, he said, this is my body that is broken for you. God, we pray right now over the bread. We pray over the body of Christ broken for us, for our healing and for our restoration. God, today as we come and we receive, I pray that we would receive of Jesus afresh from the Holy Spirit today. And then he took the cup and he blessed the cup and he said over the cup, this is the cup of the new covenant that is given for the forgiveness of sins. Father, we pray over the cup today. Father, we pray that as we come, we would experience grace afresh and anew. We would experience a washing. Our consciences would be cleaned, God. Our souls, our hearts, our memories, our emotions would be cleansed by the power of the blood. Antioch, I want to invite every single one of you to come and receive liberally from the table of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.